0: This is episode 72 of the Rising Man Podcast with Shems Hartwell. Take responsibility for your own hot fire. Good morning, Rising Man fam. Welcome back to the Rising Man Podcast. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma, and I've got a very, very special guest for you all today. But before we jump in, I want to invite any of you men who are listening who want to join our virtual men's circle, you may sign up at patreon.com slash men. This is your chance to help support the podcast and get access to our inner ring, the Rising Man Fire Circle. Join our online circle and get access to our private Facebook group, live sessions with me and my power team, and connection with over a dozen men from all over the world. It's an amazing community that's grown so Join us, be a part of it, get involved right now. (laughs) Pause the episode, go sign up. (laughs) All right, my guest for today is a man by the name of Shems Hartwell. Shems is a master relationship counselor, men's coach, and doctor of Chinese medicine. He catalyzes transformation, healing, and empowerment at core levels with clients around the world. Shems has been honing and sharing his craft for over 18 years and has mentored with some of the most influential teachers in the fields of conscious relationship, healing, and coaching. He blends his experience and knowledge into highly effective work that is the leading edge of the human potential movement. Shems is also a passionate surfer and performing musician, living with his beloved wife, Akintia, on the beautiful island of Maui. In this episode, we talked about how to stop outsourcing our need for validation, learning how to father ourselves so then we can provide that for others, taking responsibility for our own hot fire. I love that. Taking responsibility for our own hot fire. Yes. Asking the question, are women more in tune with what a relationship needs? What do you think? Why? There is nothing wrong with being more feminine or more masculine as a man. What is the feminine-masculine ratio that feels like home for you? avoiding the comparison trap, and why none of us need the title of CEO to be a world-changing leader. This and so much more without further ado, Shems Hartwell. All right, rising man family. I've got a very special man joining us on the show today. Man by the name of Shems Hartwell. Wait, I, I didn't even ask you, man. Where am I? Where are you
1: calling in from today? I'm calling in from Maui, Maui, North Shore yes. of Maui. Yeah, how is it out there? Absolutely gorgeous. Just had a good rain come down. I can actually see a rainbow right now, and and you know it's the paradise most people think of when they think of Hawaii.
0: Ah, yeah, man. Another day in paradise. Well, seeing a rainbow, that must bode well for this conversation that we're about to engage in here, so... So let's do it, man. Glad to have you here. You know, for those of you guys who don't know Shems, uh, you probably heard in the intro that I recorded for this, but he really focuses on relationships and specifically supporting men and how we show up in relationships. And that's where we want to gear this conversation towards, because as I told Shems before we hit the record button, I think that relationships are a very mysterious territory for us as guys. A lot of times we have no idea what we're doing and no compass from which to direct ourselves. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you have to say about that.
1: Thank you, Jetty. I really feel honored to join you here and 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 have this conversation and drop in. Excellent. Okay, cool. So here's how I like to start
0: every episode: I ask every man the same question. To you, what is the difference between a boy and a man?
1: Mm, I would say the initiation into manhood has a sense of we start to generate our own sense of self worth and knowing. From the inside, rather than having that be outsourced from the world and those around us. I think that's one of the most important shifts that happen where we start knowing who we are and trusting that and meeting the world from that rather than continually looking everywhere outside of ourselves for approval, security, self-worth, some level of outsourcing. Hmm. That's a
0: huge indicator, man. I, and I know that's very true for me because I, I didn't even know I was doing that until an older man said held up the mirror for me and let, helped me to see that. So just the awareness that in so much of our lives, we're looking for that approval, that validation from early on in life from our parents and then from our teachers, coaches, mentors, etc. Here's the thing I always come up against is I still catch myself doing that at times. It's like these old conditioned behaviors. So at what point do we differentiate between the boy and the man? Is there a specific moment for you where we transition from one to the other? How do you hold that? Well, the
1: other part of that I would say in my experience is, is yeah, we always gravitate a little to the boy at times because we've inherited that, we've learned that, our society. What happens is we start to catch that, And then the man starts to actually step in and meet the boy and acknowledge like, oh, there's the boy right now meeting my partner or showing up because I'm scared about this job interview. And let me consciously choose to to engage the man more than letting the boy take the steering wheel and crash the car. Mm. And so part of the initiation too is that we, we have this capacity to catch like, oh, right now. The boys, the boys meeting the world and trying to like look for what's okay and source safety and all that, and if we can start catching that, okay, we can gently invite the man to take the reins or to take the wheel Mm. and to often to shelter the boy too from engaging with the world because the boy doesn't do so good usually Mm. with the world or a relationship for that matter.
0: Right, and and that's great because I I'm seeing this through a different perspective for some reason just by the way you described it because a lot of guests have talked about the boy that lives within the man. And that really works for me because I know that there's times where I feel really joyful and playful and curious and explorative about the world, especially because I have a three and a half year old boy who invites me into that, you know, he invites me into that daily. Uh, so I, I allow myself to go there, but then there's this part of me that is capable of creating a framework of security of structure around that boy that allows him to be playful. And I'm talking about specifically within myself. And then there's also times where I lose connection to that sense of security and the boy comes out and gets triggered and wants to destroy and, and, and break everything, corrupt everything around me. And that's the, that's the boy I got to watch out for.
1: Oh yeah, you got it. And, and I would love that you are naming that it's healthy for us to have the boy. Like I just had a few weekdays of surfing that were all time epic, and my boy was was just over the top. Not that my man wasn't there too, because it was double overhead and barreling, and real, yeah. but mostly the boy was like, "I'm playing right now, and I'm I'm switching off of all the responsibility." And 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 I think there's a lot of healthiness of us. How I see it is that we have a village inside of us. Mm. People will call it. There's this whole work about IFC internal family systems, but we have mm-hmm. we have these multiple aspects of us that can engage with the world and situations, you know, and and, and at this extreme Mm -hmm. of unhealthiness of that is schizophrenia or some degree of leaving our bodies. But in the healthy side is that we have just aspects of us that, that aspects of us that respond differently to different situations Mm -hmm. and there's healthy Mm -hmm. parts of that. And then there's unhealthy ways that that hijacks our reality. And so the boy, the critic is another aspect right? That has value that can really teach us to keep the fire hot, to stay engaged, to meet life more fully, but also can erode our confidence and basically just rip us apart on some level. And starting to watch that we have these multiple parts in us that engage. And if we can start watching that from what I call the essential self that can see the different colors and characters in us Mm. and not unconsciously have them take the lead, but be able to observe, okay, cool. That's great. There's the inner critic giving me feedback there's the boy showing up oh what's he up to there's there you know there's these different aspects and we learn to have a greater ability to engage and be aware of all of it yes
0: yes man and and working within that framework of the essential self that you offered i just think of the control tower you know being the the one who's observing it all all of the different elements and aspects of our one being because by the time we become adults there are many facets to our character to our identity that's that's what adolescence is all about is uncovering this, these different identities that we have and deciding what we like, what we don't like, what works, what doesn't work. There was something you said in the, in the, in the example of going surfing for the past four days and really just being in your boy, but still having the man in you looking out for that boy. I think that when we are actually boys, when we're still developing as boys, we have, hopefully we have a father figure there who's watching over us, who looks out for our safety because we just don't have a concept of that. We don't have a sense of what's safe and what's not safe. And then at some point we get to take over for fathering ourselves Mm -hmm. and no longer do we depend on another, a separate figure to look after our safety. We can do it for ourselves. And then the father and the son live within Mm -hmm. one, one human. Uh, To me, that's one of the most important thresholds that we cross into manhood is that we can father ourselves. Thus we can father our own son. Or, and, and, and other men in our lives, because it doesn't have to be your biological children either.
1: I'm with you. I appreciate the way you're saying that, because I, I agree 100%. And, you know, from up till age 12, or whatever, we are needing the outer authority and support of a healthy father, and not only a healthy father, uncles, community, teachers, guides, like, the more healthy spectrum of people we have around us when we're young, the more we learn and absorb and inherit inherent, you know, like inherit, like these certain role models that we value. And unfortunately, in our system, most of us don't have a lot of quality men that we got to grow up and model and and mirror neuron with. Right. absorb Mm -hmm. their positive states and some of us have had more than others. I personally didn't have that much of my father because he was a wounded soul, lost his parents at one in Germany, Mm -hmm. came over. And so, Mm -hmm. for me, fortunately, I I attracted mentors, which I think all of us start doing as we magnetize people that show up at the right times in our lives to help us grow or, or meet that more fully. And I, I love that because the people that mentor us end up creating for us that healthy father figure in some way so that their mm-hmm. mentorship, their care, their love, their attention becomes what we're able to give ourselves or our young boy in a good way. Ah, uh, right?
0: oh, that's beautiful. I, I, I never integrated it in this way, but realizing that the father that we all need is the father that we create from all of the masculine influences we have in our lives. And that if we expect one man to embody all the characteristics and qualities that we need as a son— in one person it's it's unrealistic and yet like you said our social structures are organized that way i'm sure that despite the hardships your father went through there was something that you got from him that contributes to the father that lives in you yeah right absolutely and then every other man like you said that you attracted into your life created this this other superhero character of a father that exists within you and now that you use to to model your life from and wow that's powerful man i've never looked at it like that obviously conceptually every man I've had in my life influences me, but that it's, that they all combine to be like one force of a man that I need is
1: really powerful. You know, there's another side to it too, which is underdeveloped in us is then we start honoring our ancestors and the people that gifted us their influence. Mm. No. So whether it was an uncle, like I can think of my best friend's father, who was a really healthy father role model. Mm -hmm. There's just being around him and going over there every week and going fishing with him and things we did. I absorbed a lot from him. And now as I'm older, I get to honor him. And as he's in his transition in life, I realize like, wow, he's an elder in my life and someone that I, I want to like pay that back by like, I live the life. I live partially because of the gift of him. And mm-hmm. our culture, we, we, most of us kind of turn our backs from a lot of who came before us because we don't have connection to our, our, our grandfather and our great-grandfather because they were in another country somewhere or whatever else. And I'm a big fan of us literally doing our best to start to feel them Living through mm. us in some way as well,
0: yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that's the gift that's been passed forward since the beginning of mankind, yeah, is our DNA it's right here in the, in my fingertips, you know, when I, when I put some saliva on my fingers, it's the codes that my ancestors gave to like, like the instruction manual of here, give it your best shot and try to move, try to advance us a little bit forward. You know, we, we are the living embodiment of the prayers of our forefathers <sighs> that went before us, hoping that we would do better than they ever could. <sighs> and it's so easy to forget that. I wasn't taught that when I was growing up. Mm. So damn. Okay. One of the beautiful This is where
2: things, we're going, huh?
1: But what's one of the beautiful things about living in Hawaii, because you know, in the Hawaiian culture, your community, everyone's an aunt and an uncle. And they all take a certain claim to responsibility for the little ones around. And so their eyes and their hearts are on them in a certain way. And the children are taught to to see their, you know, their bro their father's friends being uncles. Yes. And and that immediately shifts the relationship or that if you call me uncle, I feel actually some connection to you and even a responsibility to step into a little bit more of my leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really value that. And I don't see that in a lot of places where I grew up, but here it's a beautiful aspect.
0: Agreed, man. And, and I'll share something briefly. First of all, I don't know. Are you, are you a father? Do you have any of your own I've, children? I've okay. a,
1: I have a few young ones that I'm a strong uncle to, and my brother has kids. Yeah.
0: Well, so this will be a really relevant story then. So, when my son was born, like I mentioned, he's three and a half years old. I remember feeling a cellular shift the moment that I saw him for the first time. Because we, as, as men, as the fathers, we don't get to experience what the mother does. They're, they're, they literally have the baby growing in them for nine months, and, and there's a very intimate connection there. For us, we hear the heartbeat, we feel a couple kicks on the belly, you know, everything else is uh, abstract. It's 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 indirect, and in more of like a, a spiritual context. But as soon as I saw my son's eyes, I felt a cellular shift in me. Like it, it was literally like I felt my DNA do a one eighty, in, into becoming a different version. I was like, wow, my life is really about taking care of something bigger than me now you know more than more than committing to my marriage ever did in a whole new way having a child and it, 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 what i didn't expect from that obviously i expected that for my own child but then the first couple of times we went out to the park with our baby you know you get out of the house and you're going back into the community all of a sudden i was like these are all my children <sighs> Like the, every single one of these little kids is my child. Not like I'm claiming them, but but in a way I am. Like spiritually, energetically, I'm I'm looking after these little ones. And even to the point where I'll be in the grocery store and I'll see a kid in a cart, and I I take the moment to connect with them. Not because there's a conscious thought. It's just it's just what I do. And it's it speaks to what you're saying that I've always felt is that if we're not all taking responsibility for younger ones, then we're definitely missing the point.
1: Thank you for saying that. I'm with you. I love that. I love the vision of that too of like, you're not only having your attention on yours, but you're just, you're holding the bigger field for all the little ones
2: mm-hmm.
1: that are there. And, and there's a shared responsibility, which I think most of us kind of long for. Mm-hmm. And that when we have children, right, to have a community where there are mother, more parents and, and we can gravitate and share spaces and everyone can hold something. And I I see a lot of families suffer because they are almost too on their own in that nuclear family window, and the pressure is too much on the mother and the father. They don't have enough resources around them for their children to stay engaged and not be on the you know whatever the computer too much or whatever it is to have enough engagement yeah. that's not dependent on the parents because few parents can have enough time too, right? To give your kid enough connection. Oh man,
0: I I could talk all day about that, you know, because that's. We've, we've set, we haven't set ourselves up right now to give our kids exactly what they need. Mm. And I think that's a, that's a very broad stroke because some people are doing a great job. Yes, But generally speaking, there's, there's way too many of us who are way too distracted, who are way too busy to raise children the way that they need to be raised. Like kids need to be engaged. They need diversity of mentorship. They need diversity of structure, of boundaries, different adults, men and women who are going to hold them accountable to different things. That, like you said, they will formulate that avatar of a father and avatar of a mother that they will then be able to take over for themselves when they become an adult. You know, it's like if you only have two people who are providing 95 percent of that input, then guess what? You're going to be a carbon copy of them. And who wants to become exactly their father or their mother? You know, that's, that's, that's one of the things that lands people in therapy in the first place is I'm becoming just like my dad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yes, I think there's definitely a social issue here and we could talk a lot of, we could talk a bit about that, but steering it specifically into relationships. And, you know, obviously when we say relationship, I think a lot of us steer directly to intimate relationship or partnership. And I'm starting to see a, a thematic develop here that the first relationship is really with ourselves. Right. So tell me, tell me a bit about that. Cause I can sense that you got something to say about that.
1: Yeah. And I really agree. Cause a lot of times we go into relationship kind of feeling incomplete and looking for the other to fulfill that or to complete us. And if you were looking at me, you could see me, I'd say like, we try to come in as two halves making a whole Mm -hmm. And it's not that we have to come in a relationship and be whole, but the more that we are taking responsibility to be fulfilled, to be switched on inside of ourselves, to be as men, to be lit, right? And have something that lights us up even more than a woman ever will, as far as what we do, what turns us on. And then we meet and we create this infinity in the sense of two Mm -hmm. people who are living more of their own responsibility meeting. And then there's more of a third energy, you know? Mm -hmm. So healthy relationship has like two primary beings that are doing that work on ourselves, Plugged in, you know, taking responsibility to be the ones to have our own hot fire mm. around our arousal, our life, our our fulfillment, our contentment, our inner peace, and we're not we're we're doing whatever we need to find that and source that and live that, and then we're bringing that to the relationship, looking for, rather than looking for the relationship to generate that.
0: Mm. Dude, taking responsibility for our own hot fire, like just rewind and hit, let that one hit you a couple times because that is it right there because. And I know because I've done it before myself, Mm -hmm. especially before... My, my wife and I partnered up and got married, you know, all of my previous relationships, I was definitely looking for something from those girls, those young ladies to, to help light my fire, to stoke my flames. Cause I, I didn't know how to do it myself. Cause I didn't have the mentorship that I needed at that time. Mm. And I also didn't want to, cause I'd rather someone do it for me. Cause that's, <laughs> that's what had happened my whole life. I wanted somebody else to take care of that part for me, you know, light me up with the excitement of romance or something. And it, it fizzles out because. No, no, no woman wants to take care of a man like that. At some point that
1: gets exhausting. You got it. And if we're relying on chemistry for, you know, that temporary wonderful drug that it is, which is so amazing, right? That magnetism and chemistry and love, you know, that does change with, you know, familiarity and time and responsibility in life. And I believe that what happens in healthy relationships, is it turns to an alchemy. We start to actually Mm. be more proactive in generating what we want in ourselves first. Like Mm -hmm. when I hear someone say, like, I'm unfulfilled, how do I magnetize a partner? I'm like, well, you know, how, how often do you really turn yourself on? Not just sitting in front of Mm -hmm. porn and whacking off, you know, I mean, like, how often do you feel switched on and pleasure through your body and the sense of like, I am a wild animal that's alive on the planet right now. And like, this feels so effing good, Uh you know, And, and, and I'm generating that and that's got, that starts creating a lot of magnetism for women or men for that matter, if you're a woman. To, to like kind of feel your radar emanating, you know? And so I always share with people mm-hmm. like, let's just keep doing that, whether we're in a relationship or not. Uh-huh. Are we doing something that keeps that fire stoked so that we feel like we're, we're living what we want to live?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really the first piece, isn't it? Because if, if we're not fully lit, not fully activated, not fully aligned with who we are and what we're all about, what my purpose in my life is, then even if I do attract somebody who's great, who checks a lot of boxes, who fills a lot of those things I would want in a partner, she's not getting all of me. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point, it's not going to work. There's going to be something that's missing. There's going to be something that breaks down and cracks. And like you said, I like what you said, because you don't have to have it all together to meet that person. But certainly, there's a greater likelihood for success of actually finding a proper match for you, for who you, who you be and who you're, what you're here to do in the world, if you're already clear on a lot of those things.
1: Yeah. And and sometimes our early relationships actually help us grow those things. And that's why they don't last too. Like sometimes we meet someone we are 18 or 20 and there's these initiations and, and there's these these shared gifts that we learn from one another but and that ripens us and readies us to be more available for the next relationship,
0: yes, yeah, i wish I wish someone told me that when I was eighteen years old because <laughs> man, every every relationship I got in literally from the age of nine i the, the first girlfriend I ever had when I was nine years old, you know when you hold hands and you <laughs> buy each other gifts from the drugstore i was I was in that i was we were boyfriend and girlfriend for two and a half years wow. at nine years old because wow. like, i because I had this context for partnership and loyalty and mm-hmm. commitment for my parents because my parents are still together today. They're going on 34 years of marriage. So that's all I ever knew. And I saw them go through tons of hard stuff. So I said, okay, my journey is to find my partner at nine years old and then every single relationship from there. But I wish I knew that there's a context for a relationship of getting clear on what we want and what works for us and doing the dance in and out that every one of us has to go through. Mm-hmm. You can't bypass that. Yeah. It may be longer or shorter for others, but- you can't bypass that stage.
1: Yeah. And, and it's true that you may find that one person at 21 and spend the next 50 years together and raise kids and grow on your own and together in that way. And that's super healthy too. However, for most folks, it doesn't really work that way. We go through some pretty hard crashes and some like discovering how much we were overly wanting everything from that partner. There's a lot of possibility of learning and just, it's nice to kind of take the pressure off that. That either is good, yeah. either one. Whether you yeah. dive in all the way and this is the one you have kids in your early 20s and you're game on and here we go. And it's okay if it fades, right? And it changes and you let go. And you, if you can do that with love and honor and respect.
0: That's the key right there. And I think one of the greatest things that we can learn from those more le- less committed relationships or short-term commi- commitment relationships is that we can develop courageous, clear communication, that, hey, you know, this 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 relationship for me feels like it's it's run its course. It feels like I'm going this direction and I'm feeling like I'm, I'm complete. Or just being able to have those conversations that are difficult, I was not able to do that until at least my mid-20s, man. Because I was so concerned with, am I going to hurt their feelings? Am I going to let this person down? Are they going to hate me? Because I really cared about what people thought about me. And I I think that's, I'm not unique with that. I think that's something that a lot of us experience too.
1: Yeah, one of the saddest things I see is often people don't get support till their relationship has really gotten pretty bad with a lot of drama, a lot of reactivity. And the hardest thing for me is when I see folks Ending a relationship with a lot of blame and judgment and almost no honor and that they can't refine the love anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like what the core thing is love, but the all of the static and, and clouds of tension and judgments and reactivity has gotten in the way of going like, wow, you really showed up in my life in a way that stimulated all of this in me, and it's been really hard. Uh-huh. And I want to honor you for being the perfect catalyst for all of this stuff I'm dealing with, rather than you have been the problem, and you did this, and you did just ending that. Like I'm, I stand for everyone. Like, I feel like this is if I stand in a warrior position, this is one place I'm into it. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can you go from loving and honoring and respecting someone to going so far that when you end the relationship, you're in almost like hatred mm-hmm. and, and so much negativity towards them versus, and even if they have it towards you being able to go, Hey, even though you're not happy with me, I did my best to, to love and, and I'm still doing my best to honor who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. And to also say that if you find yourself in that position of hatred, resentment towards that person at the end, just to, just to observe that and to, and to yeah. be curious about how did I get here? Yeah. How how have I looked outside of myself for the problem, and what have I been missing by looking internal? If if we all just if we treat all of it as information, all of it is something to inform us. Because I've been in that place and that position before too. I've been at the end of a relationship and had that righteous ego trip of well fuck her man she <laughs> she she was the one who did this 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 and this, and it wasn't until later that I actually got to look at what my contribution was in it, and and finding that resolution of ah oh, okay, thank you. There was love there at the be- at at the beginning through all of it, and the suffering came from us not choosing to part ways when we really needed to, but sticking it out for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, staying in that that tension longer, and and you're right on with that. It's like everything is feedback. Mm-hmm. If I'm in a lot of judgment and criticism and anger and blame with someone, huh? What what do I have to learn about that that's going on inside of me? Where am I putting more attention on the other and not really taking responsibility for my part in the tango?
0: Yeah, yeah, man.
1: That's a good time to get support like men are listening to this. If you, if you have a lot of attention out on this person doing a lot of wrong, whether it's a bro or a partner, It's a great Mm -hmm. time to start looking like, where am I not looking at something? What do I'm not, where am I not looking at a shadow in me that's, that's participated in creating this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and making that choice to suspend the ego, suspend the judgment for a minute to get some objective, raw feedback from somebody that you love and trust. And I think, you know, we talk about that a lot on this show, how so many men are still missing that. I know that's one of the things that's influenced me greatest in my life has been having a men's circle where we have an agreement that we stand for each other by revealing the truths that everybody else is seeing and nobody else wants to tell you. Uh, cause I think all of us need that at some point. And, and the, the men I know who have that, they have, they have something different that a lot of guys uh, just, just aren't walking around in the world with that level of support. And I know that you must come from similar circles without even knowing the details of it. I know you've had that cause I could just see the way that you show up.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought I'd do men's work uh, like as a, as something that I was leading or guiding. Mm-hmm. And yet what happened was, you know, doing some big retreats in Canada and different places where I was in these like two week rite of passages and stuff with men, that stuff started to really cook me. And, and, and fortunately I've had a lot of men's circles and groups and, and it was fascinating to watch all the still not good enough show up as I stepped into creating the men's passage or started to offer men's work. Wow. Like the, the layers inside of me of programming of I'm not the big powerful man. I don't have that super masculine, energy and it was just, it's been incredible to be on this journey of myself because making the choice and, and, and stepping into doing men's work has probably been one of the things that's like cooked me the most in my life.
2: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. Relationship has too, but stepping out and being seen and having Facebook comments of like, who the fuck is this guy? Who is this loser that's putting out this video about men and what's possible? And I'm just like... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't I know what you're talking about, right? Because when when we hear those comments, the ones that catch us and force us to regather our breath and reconnect to our purpose, are the ones that somewhere inside we've got that internal dialogue. Like there's yeah. there's somewhere in, in, inside yeah. of each of us that's like, who am I? Who do I think I am? Saying this, 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 and this. Even if as as that, as that voice shrinks and becomes less of an influence on us, it's like. That, that one comment that somebody says that can trigger that. And also sometimes that comes from inside of a, a relationship too is those daggers that like hit yep. that part of us that we're still questioning about ourselves as well.
1: Yeah. What I love about this is I, I believe that whether it's in relationship on our own, we have cellular receptors in us, ones that attract, you know, our highest good and people that we resonate with and next steps on life. Then we have these other ones of the unprocessed things in us where we do have fear of not being loved and accepted or where we had a relationship hurt. And so we haven't a, a predisposition to magnetize somebody from that cell receptor who will perfectly touch that button. <laughs> and I've learned that like the, universe is quite incredible that, that whatever we haven't looked at or processed will keep magnetizing and attracting towards us on some level to face, both on mm-hmm. the positive like growth level and on the like, whoa, here's that tender button in you that you haven't quite really faced and looked at.
0: Yes, man. Yes, 100%. I, I definitely resonate with that and what you're saying there. So let's let's steer a slightly to the left on this, all right? Because we, we started talking about relationship. I love where we've gone with everything because I think it all builds a solid foundation for how we show up in relationships as men, what challenges us in relationships as men, what makes it difficult for us. Because in my experience, I believe women are more equipped to be in relationship, whether mm-hmm. it's because they're more emotionally in tune or more empathic. There's something that I've just witnessed in, in countless you know observations of relationships that women just seem to be tuned into what a relationship needs more than men tend to be. And that's, again, that's another broad stroke. Obviously, there's exceptions that I've seen, Uh, but there's definitely seems, and and I don't know if it's that we're just not biologically engineered with the same equipment to be tending relationships the way women do. I'm interested to get your opinion on this and see where we might unfold this conversation into.
1: Great, thanks. And thanks for directing the ship the way you are. This is great. I see I see that both men and women have a sense of responsibility. And that said men are less equipped maybe with the immediate, you know, sense of staying connected, having their heart open, being warm and loving all the time. Sometimes we go more in the role of like what needs to happen? Boom, 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 this and this and holding a certain quality. And that's the gift the feminine gives. And so the feminine on their side, like they come in so much more available for connection and talk and they can be fulfilled with simple connection and laying together in conversation and things that men are like, you know, I'd rather be out with my bros watching football or something where where we may not be engaged in the same way. And the unhealthy side of the feminine is to become overly dependent on the attention of the man, Mm. you know? So, but if we stay with men... You know, we've inherited these certain, you know, archetypes of the masculine, whether that's John Wayne or, you know, Magnum PI or different movies, because the truth is for most of us who grew up in the US or the West, we've been, we've inherited masculine archetypes and through TV Mm -hmm. and through movies and through different, like the Terminator or whatever else. And so there just hasn't been a lot of modeling or programming of what a full spectrum healthy man is. Mm-hmm. and what we have in tap in us. And, and so my work is how do we grow more of those other aspects and really celebrate the ones that we naturally do well
2: mm-hmm.
1: and not try to be overly sensitive, but be, but be create more windows where we do know how to engage. And, 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 the biggest thing I see for most of us men is that unfortunately all of that modeling has taught us to be in our heads and not down in our hearts or down in our core. Mm-hmm. We're a little more, more mentally active and that interrupts our sensitive awareness or ability to be in rhythm or in tune with our partner or our kids or our families for that matter.
0: Uh huh. I, I 100% agree with that, man. And let, let me ask you this do you, do you think that men in general are more biologically engineered towards solution based thinking, logic based thinking? Is that, is that a framework that you work with when you're trying to understand these dynamics?
1: At times, I'm cautious to overly focus on like what men inherited in their biology because it's changing a lot. Mm. So, yes, we do. And, And, you know, if we like when I spent time with David Data 20 years ago, like he was very much into polarity and masculine men are like this and women are like this. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I've been working with people long enough to know there's a lot of men who come in with a huge feminine disposition and they've just come in with different wiring in their systems and they've been very made wrong Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because they're trying to be the powerful man who goes out and plays football and all that and they just fail at it and they Mm -hmm. naturally gravitate to be the guy who's cutting hair with a lot of, and he gets off on connection and love and warmth and how he is. It's like, well, where do you put that guy? hmm. Right. He's a man. He's got a male biology. So I'm cautious with this realm. And then there's men who just have a lot more testosterone who basically could have sex four times a day every day for the first 40 years of their life. Right. And most men don't have that, but some men do. And then their, their whole how they run the energy is different. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fan of us r- becoming sensitive to what have we come in with individually and what mm-hmm. do I naturally gravitate towards and discovering that and then being curious where can I grow a little bit more to have a bigger capacity to show up in my life?
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that because this is something I've discovered. I've been doing the podcast for a little over a year now and I've, I've, I've had so many different conversations with different men. And I realized that man and woman is something that we identify as. Typically we take on the gender assignment that we're given from birth, right? But then there, you know, in the in the society we live in now, it's actually a choice to choose to identify as man or woman, which is great. Mm. Then there's masculine feminine. And to me, masculine feminine is a scale where we could be hyper masculine at one end, where we're thinking of like alpha male, you know, lifting boulders over our heads, you know, wanting to fuck everything we see, you know, all the way at one end of the spectrum, right? Logic, logic, wow. logic. And then the feminine, right? Which is, you know, being really creative in the flow, less. Precise, but more in tune with feelings and emotions, and that is something that's not gender specific. It's just a <laughs> spectrum. However, I noticed that a lot, of, a lot of us we interchange these words, and yep. I've noticed that creating distinctions around them actually might serve these individuals who identify as man but are very feminine on the scale, yeah. and not making them wrong for that. Say, not taking away his manhood in exchange for the fact that he's just uh, more more feminine than the average man, if we can even yeah. say that. and I, So I really like this framework of where, identifying where you land and just taking ownership of it because we, we expect people to be more like us because it makes us feel safe. So I think even the machoist of the macho guys is really uncomfortable around an effeminate man because they think that that makes them less of a man by being around that. Mm. But to be able to hold the dynamic tension of masculine and feminine, whether it's within ourselves or around us, Is so important instead of like
1: making people wrong for how they intuitively feel they are. Yeah, I'm with you. And we need spectrum of masculinity or femininity to fill the full spectrum of life, right? Not every man can be a powerhouse alpha male who runs three corporations. Some men need to be more sensitive, more attuned in different ways so that they actually have more creative energy to come up with solutions environmentally. Right, that's not uh-huh. going to necessarily come from being a Type A badass who can hold all that. It to come from someone who has a little bit more of healthy feminine within their masculine of curiosity and openness and listening and guidance uh-huh. to receive downloads of information. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and so I, I'm a big fan of that spectrum, and also do believe though each of us, you know, we have these edges in that spectrum to grow. Right. And so, and the universe and people will show up in our lives. Like in men's work, you know, there's an ask like, where is your power? Where are you? Where did you give it up? Where did you mm-hmm. lose it? Where did you disconnect from, from that potent masculine that can protect yourself and protect your family that can show up and meet something, you know, with your full energy. So I'm, I think all of us men need to have on tap that primal wild lion monkey energy in us, no matter what spectrum we're at. Mm. If we don't have that, then the mind is going to run the show and we're going to burn out.
2: Yes. Yeah, man, you know, and I,
1: I'm, I just think we need to find some way to get that in nature and ourselves, whether it's through sports or some way we connect, because mm-hmm. the life will never be fulfilling in my, my belief with men unless we feel plugged into the planet. Mm-hmm.
0: You know. Hmm. Yeah, man, and you know, by by most measures, the the planet is is a is a woman. We all call call her Mother Earth. I've never heard anybody say Father Earth, right? And and then, like you said, the balance of all that. So if we want to be connected to this place where we live, where we're all born from then we gotta be tapping into part of our femininity, at least to some degree. And so well, if, I'm su- if I'm summarizing these last five minutes of our dialogues, I think it's really powerful that it's important to identify what is our, I guess our operating baseline. If we think mm-hmm. of a scale, where, where do I fall on that spectrum where I feel most aligned with who I feel, who I really am? Is it more towards that masculine end because that's just what feels really good to me? It's where I feel alive. Or is it actually more towards the feminine end, somewhere in between? But then also, what you said about where are my greatest edges? Am I, if I'm that, if I feel most alive in my masculine, maybe I'm like a fighter and I, and I fight because it makes me feel good, makes me feel alive. I like to hunt, I like to go out and, and build businesses and make money and all of those things. Where is the edge that I'm least comfortable going that's going to balance my being and, and bring greater harmony to myself and ultimately the people around me, all my relationships?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful tracking on that. Yeah. So and and all of us will gravitate towards what we're good at and familiar with, and we will keep going to stay there. And life will invite us through partnerships, through relationships, through business deals to widen that spectrum. Uh-huh. That part doesn't go away in my experience. Life will keep testing that. Like if you, if it's about like, you know, being a thriving businessman, there'll be something that will show up and show you where maybe you don't bring your heart enough into your relationship.
0: Yes. Yes, man. Well, let's, let's, let's do this for a second. If you're, if you're, if you're down to play and go a little bit deeper, um, yeah. let's, let's be a little transparent about ourselves. So for me, I am most comfortable being really disciplined, really structured, really focused out in the world, you know, fighting my battles, slaying dragons, providing for my family, providing for my community and the part that I've served least in the past five to 10 years of my life has been my creative side. I mm-hmm. like to write music. I like to record music. I like to convey what's on my soul poetically, and that's the thing I make the least amount of time for. So that's, that's my edge, and especially being in men's work, right? Having the Rising Man podcast, it's like, well, what, what's productive about dropping into my soul and, and letting poetry flow out? That doesn't put food on the table. That's, that's, that's what my ego says right? So that's, that's, that's just the raw truth for me. I'm wondering what's, what's yeah. there for you? What, what is your edge? Right.
1: Yeah. My would be that I gravitate probably more towards the creative. Like I get up at five in the morning so I can play two hours of music in the morning if I can, or, or to go surfing. And, and mm-hmm. I've always had an easefulness to go out in the woods and feel connected to everything, whether that's hunting or, so that's really easy for me. So my stretch is the opposite mm. to keep stepping out, to keep putting something out, to, to take more risk, to, like that's why creating the men's passage was such an edge for me mm-hmm. because I had all kinds of stops inside of myself of, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Who am I to do this? And fortunately I was able, I did four different big trainings with Robert Masters. If some of you probably know him, he's, he's a real powerful 45 year psychotherapist, has written some great books working with him. He confronted me so powerfully of like, where do you stay in your comfort zone around these particular areas? And, and yeah. you know, where does that serve me and where does it not? Yeah. And so my edge continually is, is to keep stepping out and showing up and being willing to be on a podcast and say what's up rather than being in my own current, which is incredible that I can get really passionate about and go climb Haleakala and spend the night in the, in the crater, you know, and tune in with nature, which is a gift and natural thing for me. And I need it, like it Mm -hmm. helps me thrive, but yet I could gravitate to that being a comfort zone Mm -hmm. and not stay on it with yes. just consistently like I look at Preston who we both know really well and uh-huh. Preston has a fire that inspires me incredibly and and I get scared a little bit because <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be like I can't I'm not gonna step out that much and share that much and be that like like that consistent and on it so that would be a good edge for me of like where I could compare myself to another brother who's just awesome and and I could watch that that will stimulate in me some of those edges of like I should be doing more of that or What's the way that I could meet that or be inspired by that rather than compare from that?
0: Yes. So let's let's go right into that. I want to say first for anybody who's listening right now. I think this is really powerful to to ask yourself those two questions. What is my what is my baseline l- space on that spectrum of masculine to feminine, where I operate the best, where I feel the most alive and in myself, maybe even draw it on a piece of paper, put M on one side, F on the other, masculine for feminine, and just feel intuitively where you find yourself on that scale when you're most alive. And then what is the edge for you right now? Where are you least comfortable to lean in that would amplify who you are as just a human being that possesses both of these entities and see what comes up? Because I think that it it helps just to even vocalize that and say it out loud because it sounds so silly. I'm like, of course, to be creative is, is is something that's going to amplify everything that I do. And I think hearing from you, obviously, we know that, that that's a part of ourselves that needs service, but it's easy to ignore in exchange for what feels really comfortable. So,
1: yeah, an invitation. and here's a great way to to add another layer to that for the men here is that look at where you complain in your life, like what you complain about. You know, as one of the places where there's something that maybe you can take an action or move towards, or look at where your wife or partner is complaining or asking for something else from you. Because mm. that's one place where the universe is inviting something else in you to show up to meet what's, sh- what's happening.
0: Ah, uh, yes. That, that, that just opened up something else for me. I'm not going to go into it right now because I really want to go into this because <laughs> definitely asking that question is huge. You said the comparison. You brought the comparison in. It's, it's great that you said that because that's exactly where I wanted to go because especially amongst us men, we yeah. all have the experience of walking into a room, especially when you walk into a room full of men. You and I have both been involved in different types of men's work. So you've had that experience of you walk in a room full of men, sometimes it's hundreds of men. The first thing that we all do is we start sizing up and figuring out where do we stand amongst these other men? It's, it's instinctual, it's intuitive. It's something that, we do, I think, on a a biological level, but also on like a self-preservation level, you know, because it's edgy to be around that many men with masculine personalities. And so what is it about the comparison game that we need to unlearn, recreate, redefine? Because I know that I've gotten myself totally screwed up by trying to compare to someone else who's doing their thing in the world, thinking that I need to make it more like them in order to be successful.
1: Great, and I am I really like this topic because I think this is a super juicy place And that there is that biological self of like natural kind of alpha wolf reading, you know, in the pack, where do I stand? What's my role? Where am I at in myself right now? And I think that's a natural aspect. But then there's this other very big shadow unhealthy part because men for, for a long time, we've gravitated more towards making other men wrong or coming from judgment or like having this, what I would call an unhealthy aspect of competitive because we've inherited this sense of like having our hearts blocked a little bit and not really meeting immediately from a place of accepting someone from where they're at. So there's a lot of programming in us that are basically in survival in some ways of like, if I'm not accepted, I'm not okay. And I don't think that's the healthy part. And unfortunately, you know, social media and all that kind of touches that button a lot in us of like, wow, look at that guy, like he's successful, he's doing this. And then there's a lot of comparison projection and it just feeds that inner critic and that old pattern that I don't think is biological. I think that's learned, learned social. And it comes all the way back to the church, right? Like we're, we're not right in the eyes of God in some ways. There's a lot of this programming that goes and comes from a lot of different places, but ultimately you've inherited it. So yeah. Why this is important to me, Jetty, is that one of the things I really value in my men's work is I start with this baseline of like when men show up for a retreat or something, how fully can we love, accept, and really see this person where they're at and who they are right now and start with that baseline. Yes. Mm. Like in a men's group, it's like, I want to start with like, Oh, how, what's your capacity to accept every man in this room Mm. and see more of their gifts strengths and beauty than what you want to judge or make wrong. Like just to raise the bar for ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And I believe the container where there's a lot of high quality connection, seeing, honoring, recognizing creates a safer space to confront and challenge. Huh? Yes. And if challenge and confrontation comes first, a lot of us shut down on some ways and then we won't, we just won't, we'll fail. Mm -hmm. We won't meet our thing. And I know there's a lot of the healthy challenge is absolutely necessary and we need it as men to be put on our edge and challenged but what's just not what's underdeveloped is this sense of connection first.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Man, I love I love what you're saying, and I completely agree with it. I do think that there is that learned component of of competition that is unhealthy. Because if, if I, I love looking to nature and I love looking to the past as as information, because I think we have forgotten so much in the past mm-hmm. millennia of of our existence of how we really operated our best because our ancestors that were hunting woolly mammoths that was men working together that was that wasn't a man trying to outdo another man that was men working together to take care of their families and your family was my family there was one family there wasn't every family in his own little thing on, on the block doing their own thing it was we worked together and so to me that that is more that, that has survived through all of the iterations of human in our DNA and we can activate that. That's why men like to bond around things because we remember what it's like to work together. So the part of it that I agree is unhealthy is this, I've got to be better than this man. It's that capitalist mentality that's emerging in the past several generations that doesn't really work. It's not, it hasn't been working for us because seeing that there's only two ways to the top of the, of the mountain, working harder or chopping up whoever else is in front of us down, that doesn't really work. You know, if we're all trying, if we're trying to climb the mountain that everybody else is climbing, then we're working against each other instead of realizing we all have our own mountains to climb and that we can support each other climbing our own mountains instead of trying to chop each other down and get higher than another man. It's just, it's nonsensical to me.
1: Yeah. What we've inherited is kind of a power over structure of system. And that's what men have done with women for a long time, right? Power over. And I think this new model is what I call power through.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Power moving through me is going to feed the power moving through you. Hmm. And if something gets in the way of it, I'm going to name it. Yes. What's up with this? Like, what's this? Or what's in the way for me mm-hmm. meeting you? And I think that's where we're going with this next realm. And, and, you know, we have, you're right, we have a system where people become successful. And I get to work with some pretty successful men in the world. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, many people who've built their castle and their success then what they do is they spend the rest of their life trying to preserve it. Mm. And they're not necessarily participating in, the, in, the, in, in making it better for everybody. They're preserving their little kingdom or their little house on the hill and sustaining that and the lifestyle they live with a private jet and all that flying all over the world. And they're not participating from the gifts they've created to actually make the world better for everybody. Mm. And I'm not saying across the board, this is just a common pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, for a lot of successful men in the world, they, they, do, they play the game. They do it all well and they, they thrive in it. Mm-hmm. Then they don't have healthy relationships with their wife or their kids often, but then they also don't feel like they're on purpose with actually contributing, even though they've had massive success.
0: Yes. Yes, man. I, I've had the similar experience. You know, I think that's the great fortune of seeing people at the you know, the high end of the spectrum of, you know, of success, right? If, if we're measuring success as accumulation of of wealth and and money and and influence versus the people who are all the way at the bottom, I mean, neither person, every person Every person at every point of the spectrum has their own challenges. You know, getting to the top doesn't mean you don't have any problems. And oftentimes, to get there, there's a cost that's paid along the way. You leave a wake of, of dysfunctional relationships, disconnection from the people who matter most to you, isolation in your all It's very lonely to get that mm-hmm. far. And so recognizing what is the cost that we're paying as we're building our kingdom while we're paying the cost so that we don't incur these devastating outcomes years later with not where at a point which we can't do much about it. I think is a really, mm-hmm. really critical part of getting the most out of life. And yeah. life is relational. We're social beings. So if we're not tending the relationships while we're building them, then we're going to to try and, recoup on that time and rebuild relationships 10, 20 years later, it's, it's, it's impossible.
1: Absolutely. So So the best investment I think each of us can keep making, no matter what we do for work or what we're creating in our lives is to feel more connected to everything and everyone, Mm -hmm. not in some loose kind of airy fairy thing of like, I can feel the stars, but more (laughs) like, am I, am I, you know, in tune and resonating with life? Yeah or even aware of who I don't resonate with, so not feeding that particular relationship anymore and going with the ones that I resonate with where I'm participating in, and learning to connect. I, I teach this in the Men's Passage program is, how do we, you know, we're, we're all masterful at connecting mind to mind, thought to thought, idea to idea. Mm-hmm. Where we're underdeveloped is feeling each other heart to heart mm-hmm. or core to core. in our enteric nervous system in our gut is so intelligent. And like when we meet there, not just like from sexual energy, but from just a sense of like sitting with you, Jetty, and feeling you and being with you, it's like I feel this deep respect and mm-hmm. honor for who you are, how you're showing up as a man. And it's not a thought. It's an experience of your presence and who, who I can feel while I'm talking to you and seeing you in this moment. Yeah. And I think more that we do that, we, we share a nutrient as men that drops us into our nervous system relaxing and more potential for something even more fulfilling to happen between us.
0: Mm -hmm. 100%, man. And likewise, I feel the same thing from you. And I've, I've experienced something similar by dropping into that sense of feeling another man and, and and recognizing his triumphs and his challenges, his pains and his his major victories and, and experiencing them along with him instead of distancing myself from his experience. You know, I think that a lot of the social anxieties and social disorders that we have around depression is because we're not dropping into that space of feeling. But it's something that's hardwired in our bodies. We know how to do it. It's a matter of what we, we chose to shut that off at some point And we learned that that wasn't safe, especially when we're talking about men. Mm. We learned that the lone wolf, the, you know, the, like you said, the John Waynes of the world, the the guy doing it all by himself is who we're meant to be. And clearly that's unraveling here, right? We've, had, we've, we've been in that conversation enough to see it happen. And, and I do think that even the guys who know that conceptually and can see that there's value in, genuine heart-to-heart, belly-to-belly masculine relationships, there's still a resistance to doing it and and, and mm. still seeing where am I not fully experiencing my brother? Where am I not really putting myself in his shoes? I think that's, I'm saying for me too, that's my next level is where can I go even deeper in loving this man and appreciating his path just as much as he can appreciate mine?
1: Yeah. And creating that place, then there's a healthier place for us to challenge each other or to invite each other in or to, to call each other on the complaints. Yes. You know, or, or, the, or where we start to downward spiral into old patterns. You know, in the men's passage, about 75% of the men who've come through it, they, they will be like, the best thing about this group is that I actually feel like I'm connecting with you men in a way that I don't connect with the men in my community. Mm. And this is surprising. I've even had men in Santa Cruz tell me this, you know, who live in a place that has a lot of conscious culture, right? Yes. Or Boulder yep. or Kansas or whatever. And so I'm like, mm-hmm wow, it it, it surprised me that men will feel so, and we're doing this online, seeing you eye to eye, but I'll have the men gaze and see one another through the screen and go, how do you really connect with these brothers here? And so we'll have, you know, 30 or 40 of us on the screen seeing one another Mm -hmm. connecting in. And what what I find is that, okay, the next step of leadership for each of us it's to take initiation and responsibility to create that with the men in our life. Like mm-hmm. pick one or two men in your life. Where you're like, hey, I want to take this a little deeper with you. We've been friends for 20 years and, and I, I care and love about you. And I hunger for actually something a little deeper. Would you be willing? Mm-hmm. to like, I've been doing this work with men. So we're going to find this something I want to bring. And, and, like, and just almost like this warm invitation to like, and you might find he's like, wow, I didn't ever think about that. I, You know, whatever happens, you know, yeah. you just, you can just invite something. I think leadership is this sense of how do we build stronger bridges connection with, with our communities and our friends and our families so that those places start thriving more fully so that we can make the bigger circles.
0: <sighs> ah, well, that's the last question I want to ask you before we start wrapping up here, man, because I've been holding on to this one and I, I can't wait to hear your answer. What is the opportunity that we as a generation of men living here, walking on this earth right now that we have to create a better future for prosperity, for the future generations, for our children that are coming up? What specifically for us as men, what's our, what's our singular great opportunity we have right now? Mm, wow,
1: what a rich question. I think one of them is to, to consume less by like buying less, less toys, less new things all the time, like that we're 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 not like buying into the system. That's like a practical level. On another level is how do we really check in of like, are we doing and living what we want to live? And are we creating the quality of connections, friendships, family that we want? And if we have a deeper level, are we contributing back all the blessings we have? Like living in the Western culture, we right, we use 60 or 70% of the resources of the planet. Mm-hmm. So we have what oh, we're standing on, you know, basically the resources of most of the world. And so we have this unique blessing. How can we contribute in some way with that to better the world rather than just live in that little castle that's protected where we can have that good water and food from Whole Foods and all that, but we're all good when around the world starving.
0: Yes. Oh. There's
1: some way that we can make some choice. Like this is the beauty of it too, is that it's not like we have to become heroic people who can go out and do everything and create that company that has the huge effect on finance. But it's like every little choice and thought and step and connection and reaching out and that willingness to stretch a little bit further towards like, how could I support those folks in Nigeria right now that mm-hmm. are getting some, you know, whatever it is that we just, we just realize that even our little bits, like that consistent little bits of stepping up, giving a little money, a little attention, making a choice, can make waves that do spread the wealth in a, in a good way.
0: Oh, I know, man. Oh, I love you said that because I, even hearing you say that, it makes me think that you know, we, we don't need a, a million heroes going out into the world and figuring out how we're going to collect all the plastic in the ocean and how we're going to rejuvenate the soil. We need a few people who are going to figure that out. We need a few people leading that charge. We need a million people who are going to recycle who are going to repurpose yeah. items, who are going to be more personally accountable to the environmental health of our planet, to raising our children in a good way, and like you said, living our best life on purpose. A million, Millions of people doing that, no, without a doubt, is going to change the world. We're going to solve every other issue that we're facing by hordes of people starting to live in that way. And that's what I see happening as well. I see men making that choice, making that decision, starting mm-hmm. to be a part of this conversation, the fact that there's even a podcast, (laughs) that there's many podcasts actually about this, about men who are figuring out all the things that we've been dealing with internally, but sharing it as a community now, we're moving forward. But really that next step, that next level, man, is really living our best lives, really living in accordance with what feels good to us. That's going to change the world. And I couldn't agree with what you said more, man.
1: Yeah. And I see that as, as what I would call the next level of leadership. Isn't that we're all running big companies and, and leading armies of and, and powerful moves. It's that we're taking leadership in our relationship yes. to create the experience we want. We're taking leadership to, in our friendships and taking leadership as far as initiating what we want. And that's taking stand for things and that, that those little waves of leadership, I think create great men. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not us becoming the heroic, you know, you know, King Arthur's, right. Not that we won't do that. And some of us will, some mm-hmm. of us will stand in that and like really shine as a great sun, but we all can be a sun, a shining radiant sun in our lives in our own way. And it's choosing, choosing that and facing what's interrupting that is so powerful.
0: Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the, the universe is full of stars and planets everywhere, right? Each one has its own place and its yeah. own purpose, but they're all part of the same one. Yeah, so. beautiful. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, I got a few lightning style questions I want to ask you, just real quick, off the cuff, um, whatever's true for you in the moment, and then uh, we want to hear a little bit more about how guys can get involved with what you're doing. So, you ready for that? Sure. Awesome, brother. And before we go into that, I've just really loved this conversation, man. I really mm-hmm. enjoy just connecting you with you, getting to know you more than just by witnessing and observing you from a distance. I really feel that you are a man that I love and trust, who's doing the work that he came here to do. So just uh, bowing in reverence to you, man, and grateful mm. you took the time to be here.
1: Thank you. Taking that, I could feel that in my heart and I, I feel connected to you. And it's it's like, yeah, brother, oh, thank you.
0: You got it, man. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna hit you with some lightning. What is one thing you have learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old?
1: How to calm my nervous system, how to slow myself down with breath and, and relax the mind and drop deeper into myself mm. to generate, resource myself in home base,
0: basically. Mm. Yes, man. I'm so glad to see that they're teaching kids how to do that in schools now with meditation and yoga. I I wish I had that too. Awesome, man. Um, And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man?
1: Integrity and integrity and the meaning of wholeness that we're connected to our wholeness and we're we're relating to the wholeness of the world. Mm -hmm. Integrity is everything's connected and we're living in integrity and radical responsibility in ourselves. And then we create that and generate that in our lives.
0: Beautiful, man. I love that. And last but not least, where can men who are listening, who want to work with you, who want to be in your vortex, where can they find you, connect with you? I saw that you also have something coming up in July, I believe, with two spots available. Let's let's hear all about it, man.
1: I got two more spots on a, a retreat at Sierra Hot Springs near Lake Tahoe. We're doing a four-day retreat. We're going to do it all on the land, sleeping on the land, being out in the woods, and then having it catered by the place. So we'll have the hot springs. Nature will go do really deep work into the night in the trees. And I got 25 men that are going to be there for that and i got four men mentoring with me holding the space too so it's yeah i'm I'm the most excited about this offering of anything i've created yet so far awesome and other than that um in october i'll launch another men's passage which is a a basically a a 10-week program for men online where i teach a lot of the skills and share share kind of a download and create a really rich community of men to connect in
0: beautiful Beautiful. And, and all of this information is uh, available on your website? On my, on my website, ShemsHeartwell.com. Beautiful. Make sure that's in the show notes for all the men. Listen, guys, if you don't already know Shems, if you haven't been following him, he's an amazing man who is living his life on purpose. And I know from other men who have gone through your work and who have seen, experienced what you do, man, it's, it's powerful stuff. So thank you for doing what you do and make sure you guys follow this man. He's, he's doing big things out there.
1: Thank you, Jitty. Honored to be here, brother. Thanks for inviting me and great to connect in this way. Likewise, brother. Same here. Thanks for listening, brothers.
0: This easily goes down as one of my favorite episodes. There were so many great discoveries that came through. Some of my favorites were all of the work we did around getting to the father avatar and, and how we can be fathers for ourselves and taking responsibility for our own hot fire. I loved Shem's bringing that piece in just a really powerful dude and a testament to how when you when you feel someone's vibe, because I, I haven't had a real in-depth conversation with Shems before this but you, you can tell you can they say real recognize real when you recognize that in somebody else you know it's going to be good go for it because I, I felt that with Shems and this was a really powerful powerful, powerful interview I hope that you got as much out of it as I did make sure you guys mark your calendars our next Rising Man Fire Circle call is June 22nd from 3 to 5pm Pacific Standard Time make sure you guys go over to patreon.com slash risingman and sign up so you can join Join us for that fire circle. Also, check out the show notes at the podcastcom for links and resources for this episode and for every single episode. If you guys haven't been there yet, my man Julian Subic has been doing some great work with the show notes. Summarizing things and putting them out there for you guys. We just started including it in the itunes descriptions, too So we're always we're always improving what we do bettering our best And my man julian has been on top of it for a while now. I appreciate you brother As always we ask you to please subscribe and follow us on the podcast app of your choice Wherever you're listening to us, please hit the subscribe button the follow button the Whatever button that makes sure you get notifications about new episodes because you know, we drop them every monday and thursday While you're at it, please leave a comment, a review, five-star rating if they allow you to, if you believe we deserve it. Let us know what you really think about the Rising Man podcast and what we're putting out there. It really means a lot, goes a long way towards helping other men find this podcast and get involved with the Rising Man community. So please do that. If you don't listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to do that, you can always go leave reviews and comments at therisingmanpodcast.com. Also... Hit us up. Follow us on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast, where my man Rowan Tyne has been lighting it up ever since he came on board almost a year ago. Crazy how time goes by. But yes, amazing content that Rowan has been putting up there, taking little bits and pieces from each episode, teasing you guys and getting you guys to check the whole thing out. Please share that up. Spread the message, spread the word. That's how we do. Other shout outs from a power team, Sean Offenbach at Infinite Melodics at Infinite M-E-L-O-D-I-X on Instagram. My man has been filling out his podcast roster. So if you guys are have been itching and wanting to start your podcast and you want to get Sean on board, reach out now. Because before you know it, he's going to be unavailable. So he is he's uh, he's the man behind the scenes that makes this, this whole thing happen, that makes it sound so good. So uh, you're in good hands with him. Go reach out to him today. Give him your money and let him help you out because he's worth it. Every single dollar. And my Rising Man power team wouldn't be complete if I didn't mention my man, Mark Rose, our fire circle, fire tender, holding down the Rising Man fire circle community. I appreciate you, brother, everything that you do. And every single one of you who are listening out there who've been supporting the Rising Man. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.